Come listen to my tale of Jonah and the whale way down in the middle of the ocean. Okay, so turn your Bibles, or we're going to have it on the, uh, on the screen, I think. Um, we're going to read two chapters. It's good to hear the Bible. And what I have to share today is really something God dropped in my heart over the holidays. And in terms of how God has led us this morning, I'm believing it will be helpful to some people, all people, as we talk about this today. And let's have a dramatic reading of Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because his wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own gods, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have we done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to, make, to you to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah replied, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they couldn't, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea was calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord prepared a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And we'll read chapter 2. From inside the fish, <laughs> some of us have prayed in some pretty strange places and desperate situations. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. And he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths and into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. 
I said I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought me up from the pits. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from, turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of great praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord's. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah into dry ground. This is the word of God. Amen. I've done a lot this summer. It's really exciting and good. One of the best things that I managed as a real joy and privilege was to go to day three of the Ashes Test at Headingley last weekend. And I went with my son Dan and we sat in Yorkshire, listened to everybody speak like this, it was great, and it was boiling hot and last week I was pink as a lobster. Um, but we sat like only English people can in the midday sun and watched England crawl towards an improbable victory in that test match. They needed 350-odd to win. It's the highest score. It's higher than any score of England have ever made to win a test match in 130-odd years of cricket. It's never been done before. And at the end of the day... Uh, this is cricket's weird. You sit there for a day, all day, and it doesn't finish. You have to go back the next day, but we didn't go back the next day. At the end of the day, England were three wickets down, and they had seven wickets left to get another load of runs. Now, many of you are looking at me like, uh, what on earth are you talking about? And you may not understand, but I imagine that by now, most of you have heard the name Ben Stokes. You've been in America, Leah. I'll let you off. Most of you would have heard of the name of Ben Stokes. Because after the service last Sunday, I went to my phone and I saw England were only four wickets down. And the improbable could happen. And then I, that afternoon, was glued to my radio, listening to the most amazing sporting event. One of the most amazing sporting events I've ever witnessed, Johnson. It was England. 73 runs needed, one wicket left. And Ben Stokes went crazy and won the game for England. Now, there's a saying that says, it's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that kills you. Because as the runs were going down, 70, 60, 50, my heart was, I shouldn't care so much, should I? But my heart was thumping. Because you're thinking, can they do it? Surely not. It's never been done before. It's too difficult. One mishit, one, one mistake, and it's all over. But I kept that hope with bumping. Come on, you can do it. But actually, it'd be, I'd feel a lot better if they just stopped and they failed. Because when there's no hope, there's certainty, isn't there? When there's no hope, there's certainty. But when there's hope, we're kind of clinging up, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then... If you've not seen it or heard it, 
then um, you probably don't want to. But it was amazing. And they should have... I won't bother. But anyway, the last ball, and Ben Stokes cut it before, and, and uh, we just went mad. And I was speaking to my son, who was in Thailand at the time, on, um, on the phone. And Dan, my Dan, phoned me, because it was just joyous. Hope is a strange thing. Because in 130 years of cricket history, chasing a score that big, hope has failed. Every single time. It's failed. Because hope, that kind of hope, is not certain. But while there's hope, there's this beating heart, it could happen. I want to just talk a little bit today about the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Because with the hope, hope with Jesus is always certain. Always certain. And I read this story because I'm reading through the minor prophets at the moment. And a lot of it is hard work. A lot of it is pretty depressing. But then right in the middle, it's not depressing, but it, it's about judgment. Uh, which is all the word of God. But <coughs> in the middle of it is a story of Jonah. And I was just arrested by Jonah's heart cry from the middle of a fish. And right now I just wonder if there's some people that are occupying the darkness of a belly's, of a fish's belly, and thinking, where is the hope? Where is the answer? Where am I going to find what I need? Where am I going to find a way out? How do I get out of this situation? How do I get to a place where I'm free, where I know everything will be okay, everything will be as God wants it to be? Jonah was a prophet, but he was a strange kind of prophet. Because when he heard God speak to him and tell him what to do, he ran the other way. He was called. He was anointed. He had mission. He had vision. He had purpose. He had destiny. And God says, go to Nineveh. And he gave him eight words to say. All he had to say was eight words. Forty more days and Nineveh will be Forty more, it's eight words, you work it out. Basically, 40 more days, 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's all he had to say. 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. But he didn't fancy it. He didn't fancy it. And if Nineveh's that way, he went that way. And he ran off. And the reason, he tells us, he tells us later on why he ran off. Because he said, thing is, God, I know you're compassionate. I know you're kind. And I know you'd change your mind. I know you'd relent. When they repented, you'd relent. And then I'd look, stu and then I'd look stupid, wouldn't I? Because I would say it's going to happen, and then it doesn't happen. I knew you'd do that, God. Why do you do that all the time? Why are you so kind? If only God had said to him, tell them 40 more days and you'll be destroyed unless you repent. But he didn't. And Jonah didn't want to have that. And he ran the other way. And this is why, and this is where we see the great mercy of God for all of us. Whether we are running after him or running away from him. The great mercy of God is that he arrested Jonah and brought him back. And it wasn't a very easy journey back, but he arrested him and brought him back. And I was just struck at the words of Jonah. And I just want to leave you three really simple things. If you're today in the belly of a fish... If you're in the belly of a fish, 
then I just want to you to hold, to understand how you handle hope in your dark season, how you handle hope in the darkness of your trial. And I want to say number one is this, you're a Christian, so you choose hope. You don't choose hope because you can see your way out. You choose hope because Jesus Christ is Lord and you're a Christian. Therefore, every time you choose hope. We actually don't have any choice Otherwise, we're denying the lordship of Christ in our lives. There is always hope, sure and certain, because of Jesus Christ. And we have to choose hope. Jonah spoke these words in the fish. He says, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. He spoke a word that says, this isn't my destiny in the middle of a fish. I have hope because God is for me. And the words that we choose to speak are vital, absolutely vital when it comes to how we navigate the dark seasons of our life. Jonah spoke from the perspective of a faithful God. He didn't speak from, from the perspective of a hopeless situation. He said, I will shout praise. I will sacrifice to you. I will fulfill my vows. No, he didn't try to make a deal with God. God, if you get me out of this, I will shout your praise. If you get me out of this, I will sacrifice. You can't do deals with God. You can't. He he won't be in debt to anybody. I know God answers prayers in in many ways. He's very sovereign. But I don't think you can do that. I love the fact that Jonah just said this, you know what, I'm in the belly of a fish. I don't know how I get out of this. He might be waiting for the fish's gastric juices to come and dissolve him and make him fuel for that. I don't know. I will praise my God. I will sacrifice. I ask you today, in the darkness of of your situation, what are you choosing to believe? What are you choosing to say? How dark is it for you right now? How restricted are you? Do you see a way forward? Do you see a way out and a way through? But listen, this is my encouragement to you. You are a Christian. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord of your situation. Yes? Do you believe that? He's Lord of your situation. We may not see everything that we want to see. We may not see everything that we hope to see. It may not end up looking like we want it to look. And you can't put demands on God. It has to look this way. But what, he's, what, what um, Jonah said was, I'm just going to praise you. I'm just going to praise you. And the biggest weapon you have against despair is praise and gratitude. Do you know that? The biggest weapon you have against despair is praise and gratitude. The devil wants to so focus you inwards and on yourself that all you can speak is despair. Well, this morning I believe we've broken that off in the name of Jesus and it's time to speak praise. Because my God is faithful. Amen? My God is faithful. Don't put conditions on what you want him to do. Just praise him. I will praise you. I will praise you. I will sacrifice to you. I believe that as Christians we are designed and destined to overflow with hope. Not a hope that says perhaps or maybe, but a sure and certain hope. Not a hope that says, I'll get everything my way. But you know what? If things aren't good right now, 
It just means they're going to be good. Because all things work together for good. Not all of that good may be seen the way we want to see it. May not even be seen on this side of heaven. But it will be good. Because he works all things together for good. Do we believe that or don't we believe that? We have a firm hope. My hope last Sunday was in an English batsman with a bit of wood in his hand. And it wasn't a firm hope. Our hope is on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who when he died at Calvary said, it is finished. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And no matter how bad it looks right now, it just means it's going to get good. It's going to get good. I believe that. It's not a hope that says perhaps or maybe, but it's a sure and certain hope. I want to encourage you today, it's time to change your language and turn your despair into praise. Turn your doubts into worship. Turn your disbelief into declarations and speak out, there is hope. There's hope for my children. There's hope for my future. There's hope for my family. There's hope for my mind. There's hope that I, I will be free because he has made me free. If you've looked at a situation of speaking words of fear, failure and death, it's time to repent. It may look like you're in the darkness of the fish's stomach, but you're actually you're occupying the throne room of heaven. Speak from there, because his hope is certain. You're a Christian, so choose hope. You're a Christian, so hear hope. Hear hope. Put yourself in the position where you can hear what God is saying to you. In any situation, I believe, we've done it last in the first half this year, right in the centre of the prayer that Jesus gave us, give us, your, give us our daily bread. We need the word of God for today. We need to hear what God is saying. If you're in the belly of a big fish right now, if you're surrounded by darkness, your greatest need is a word from God. Your greatest need is, God, what are you saying to me in this situation? What do I need to hear? We thank God for his word. It's full of his promises. It's full of his will. It's full of so much that we can find help for. But I believe there's, there's a word that God wants to give us that's filled with faith that lifts us above the normal and gives us a fresh perspective because it's his word for you right now. And if you're in darkness and you don't know what to do about a family situation, a financial situation, we thank God for his, what he says across the Bible, but I believe he wants to give you a word to hang on to. And I could call up so many people here who in a certain situation, they've had a word and that is the word for now because it's packed with faith. And you make that word your declaration. You make that word the heart of where you stand. He wants to speak into your situation. I love the way, I love the trigger, <laughs> the, tr the thing that triggered the fish to vomit. Jonah says, I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. He spoke that out as a declaration. And God says, okay, okay, fish. I don't know what he did. He said to the fish, okay, spew him out. 
God wants to give you a word for your hopeless situation. And I would encourage you, you can look in so many places for answers. And I'm not decrying those. You can get help, really good help from, from other people in the church, from doctors, from anywhere. But I will make a priority in your fish's belly. Get before God in the choir, open the Bible and read until faith comes into your heart. This is God's word for the situation. And then whenever you get before God, you declare that out. This is what God has said. This is what God has said. Yes, it's dark right now, but this is what God has said to me. You need to hear hope. Do you understand? You need to hear what God is saying. What is God saying to me right now? I see Jonah thundering this out from the fish's belly. Things look bleak. I'm helpless. I've been an idiot. But this I know. I know deep inside me because God has revealed it to me. Salvation, rescue, release comes from my God. Salvation comes from the Lord. And when God gives you the word, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to take you straight out of the situation. But you build your faith house on the word of God. This is what God has given me right now, and I'm not moving from here. And things might even begin to look darker, but you say, no, God has given me this. I'm standing on it. I've heard hope, and I'm basing my thoughts, my mindsets on all these situations, on this word. If things are dark right now, stop running around trying to find answers and solutions. Make it a priority to hear hope. A word for today packed with faith and power, a message from the heart of the Father, just for you. God knows how to answer your heart cry. Just heard some great stories. James has got some amazing testimonies to give of how God comes through, even in the middle of the night, to answer the cry of a hope-filled heart. Of a hope-filled heart. He knows how to do it. He knows how to bring you through. You need to choose hope and you need to hear hope. And finally, you're a Christian, so you need to surrender to hope. It's hard to see this sometimes when you're in the middle of of, uh, a trial. But sometimes the storm is a mercy. Sometimes the storm is a mercy I'm not, you know, we've got, we made this clear regarding our, what we believe. I don't believe God. God doesn't give sickness. He doesn't give, he doesn't punish us in that regard. But, you know, when things go wrong, God, I think God has an objective in your and my life. And it's general to every single one of us. Whether you're called to be a preacher or a leader or, a, you know, a stay-at-home mum or an IT technician. God's called us all different ways. But he has one, I believe he has one central desire, and that's to make us like Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? His goal for you is not that you, and we live in a world, and this is why we have to get this clear, tangents coming off everywhere. We live in a world where it's all about self-actualization, and that can creep into our message, especially to our young people. Be yourself. The important thing is that you be yourself, and that you're like a lot of, um, like a lot of 
mistruths. There's a, so, and, uh, there's a little grain of truth in it. It sounds so good. Just be yourself. But the message of Scripture isn't that. The message of Scripture is I must die and become Jesus must become more. Do we understand that? It's not about self-actualization. Self it's about Jesus' actualization. And Jesus Christ is committed to making you more like him. And he will use situations to shape you, to mould you, so that you become more like Jesus. And I believe Jesus doesn't waste, God the Holy Spirit doesn't waste any situation. And there was Jonah, a man of God, called and anointed. And he's running the other way. But you know what? God loved Jonah too much to leave in that direction. Do you realize God didn't need Jonah? He could have got another prophet. And you know what? Angels are pretty good. Angels are pretty good messengers, you know. Just send an angel to Nineveh. He'll sort it out. He wanted Jonah. And he wanted Jonah so much that there was a storm and there was a shipwreck and they were going to die. They were going to fall down. He said, it's me. Throw me overboard. Throw me over the side. And he gets thrown over and a fish comes along. Imagine sitting in the middle of a fish. Whoa. Sometimes our helpless situations are a doorstep to our destiny because God wants us to surrender to his calling. And sometimes we have to surrender because in the midst of the fights, there is a gateway and there is a doorway to our destiny. The thing about Jonah was he was in control. He was in control. And the heart of God for you and I is we surrender control. And you know what? For Jonah, God put Jonah in a position he couldn't control the fish and he couldn't manipulate the whale. From the outside, he might have been able to do it. He might be able to put nets down and cajole a whale. Ever tried to cajole a whale? I don't know. People do it, don't they? Just ask the Japanese. But from inside a fish, you can't control it. And God brought Jonah to the point where he stays stubborn and dies, or he surrenders and gets vomited out. Sometimes there's, mer the, you know, there's dangerous place for you and I as Christians is when God leaves us alone. Is when we turn and say, I've heard the call of God. I've heard what you've said about me. But you know what, God? I don't want it. I'm going this way. I'm going this way. You better pray. You better pray that God intervenes. Otherwise, you're going to end up in the far country. You better pray that God just engineers or uses circumstances to bring me back to that place where I don't no longer have the control. And I'm saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I need you. And it may be that today, rather than railing against this hopeless situation or the darkness that you're in, just say, I just want to get out of this. You stop and say, God, I surrender. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I, want, I let go of control. I cannot control this situation anymore. 
be clear, I'm not saying that God's going to beat you, he's going to thrash you, he's going to give you whatever this and other. I'm just saying there are circumstances where God is committed. God is so committed to shaping you. He loves you so much. He doesn't want to let you wander off that he will use that situation in, 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 your, in your, it looks like a hopelessness. You say, God, I surrender. Jonah surrendered. He said, I will sacrifice. And sometimes, discipline, God disciplines us, right? Hebrews 12, 7, endure hardship and discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not being disciplined by God, then there's a problem. But I just want to, that's just, we have to surrender sometimes. In this situation, God, what is it you're showing me? I appreciate your love for me, your working in me. And I don't like this right now, but I surrender to your love. I surrender to your will. Thank you, you are so committed to making me like Jesus, that you would rescue me from going in the wrong direction. And this is part of having a word from God. God, speak to me. What are you showing me? What are you doing in me right now? Three perspectives on handling your hopeless situation today. Number one, choose hope. Choose hope. You're a Christian. <laughs> you understand? You're a Christian. Your next door neighbor who doesn't know Jesus, we have to be different to them can't be the same because we're standing on Jesus Christ we're not standing on our own efforts or achievements aren't we we're standing on Jesus all things work together for good in the end all things work together for good so if it's not good right now it's not the end I've borrowed that of somebody else so we choose hope and we choose praise and we choose declaration Number two, in your hopeless situation, hear hope. God, what is your word for this thing right now? I've got no idea what's going on. What is your word? What is your sustaining word? What is your sustaining word? Just thinking about this morning, Psalm 23. Everybody knows Psalm 23. About, you know, being in that place of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But he ends, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What a beautiful way to end a psalm like that. My God is with me. He's after me. God, what's your word for right now? Let me hear hope. And thirdly, surrender to hope. God, it's you. You are my life. I can't control this situation. I'm learning to trust you and not myself. Because if I trust myself, I will go wrong. If I trust my resources, they will fail. If I trust my intuition, I'm never going to get it right. I need to learn to trust you. I need to learn to surrender to hope. Because he's working in your heart. So this morning, if you're in the belly of a dark fish, there is hope. There is hope. And his name is Jesus. Amen? His name is Jesus. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray.
let's just take some space, shall we, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to speak to our hearts. I just want to bless you in your, anybody here is in a dark situation, I just want to bless you. You're surrounded by um, almost like no options. pray grace for you to see the mercy of God over you because if you've got no option left there's only ever one option and it's Jesus and that's the only true source for your hope anyway I'm not belittling people's situations at all I know it's a challenge I know there's real challenges but if you've started to speak words that do not reflect the truth of God's word, then I would humbly encourage you to repent and say, I'm living as if I wasn't a Christian. It's time to change your despair to declaration and your worry to worship. panic to praise because we choose hope in Jesus name we choose hope in Jesus name just speak to him ask him for a word ask him this week to give you a word to give you the word for this situation packed with faith It's a word that changes perspectives. And God, I just want to pray for Jonas here today. With all love and honour, speak to pray for Jonas who have heard your word but are not wanting to follow it. I pray in your mercy, God, would you get hold of us? Would you get hold of us? And in your mercy, bring us that place, God, where if, you, if we need it, where we don't have control so that we can learn to control as you want us to, God. So we can learn to choose your ways, God. We don't want to pray bad on anybody. You're a good father. You're a good God. But God, I just want to pray for Jonah's here. I thank you for the power and the, and the amazing uh, potential in this place to change Northampton. God, let us hear your word and follow it. And in your mercy, shape us for your glory. God, I pray for courage to follow your word, to follow your calling. I pray for courage, God, to be all that you call us to be in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And let hope arise, that we would overflow with hope by the Holy Spirit. Father, where the, just, just give us that, that sense of, God, you're in charge, you're in this situation, so therefore all is well, all is well. I will declare your praise, I will make my sacrifices, because salvation belongs to the Lord. We speak that over every situation here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, God, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.